Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on this podcast, we love to amplify those stories. I'm so excited to have my friend Tasha Gordon-Troy on the show today. Now, she's a friend I met through LinkedIn, as so many of my friends are, and I'm happy to learn more about her, as you will, too. So welcome to the show, Tasha. Happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate you inviting me on. You bet. You bet. You're one of those people that is blazing trails all across LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, Susan. Well, this is sort of me in a nutshell. Um, First and foremost, I am an attorney, a writer, an editor, a publisher, I'm a mom of a 19-year-old son. I am a soon-to-be divorcee, and I am a woman who is basically working on finding herself while building a business, and these are two things that I never really thought I'd actually have the opportunity to do, the building of the business and the self-reflection part. Wow. So that's sort of me in a nutshell. I love that. Let me (laughs) tap into that a little bit. Let's unpack all that. That's a lot. So, um, Well, first of all, I'm the mom of a 19-year-old. I went through a a big divorce, right? So my divorce Mm -hmm. was a big deal. I fought for sole custody. My baby was only nine months at the time, and I won. But I'll tell you that self-reflection part came after the divorce, and it was five years of what we call, um, you know, a self-actualization. Yes. You really find out what you're made of and who you are. And you're on the beginning of that journey, but I'm going to have you back on the show when you feel like you've um, made it to the other side of that journey, because it is amazing. It is wonderful. And I know I'm not a religious person, but I will tell you, someone once said this to me when I was in your place, God takes us through rough and deep waters, not to drown Mm -hmm. us, but to cleanse us. That is so prophetic. I, I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting because my self-reflection is sort of tied to so many different things, so many different aspects of my life, including the, what I'm going through with my marriage. And, it's, and I've been dealing with it, I want to say for the past five years. So, so let me just go through some, 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 think, some thoughts that I had on, on this, uh, because you know, when it comes to big changes that happen in your life, it actually forces you to pause and think about how you got to where you are and where you'd like to go from there. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so it's like, it's this huge stop sign that, and it's, and it's at a fork in the road. It's a huge stop sign that's sitting right in the middle of a fork in the road. And so it all started with me when it came to my job five years ago, five years ago, I've been in, in my position or in, in, with my employer for 15 years. And um, I had made huge strides. I had made millions of dollars for this organization. And then suddenly all of that changed. I was a victim of downsizing and rash decision-making at its finest. And so lo and behold, at the time, I was a 49-year-old woman who, who had been at the top of her game, ambitious as anyone you'll ever meet, And suddenly I'm unemployed and my marriage is failing and my mother is suffering from dementia. And it's like, it's a perfect storm, seriously, in so many different ways. 
So I'm faced with this jumping back on the hamster wheel to possibly end up in the same situation, like another executive who on a whim decides, you know, to hold my life in, in, in his or her hands, or I decide to do something on my own. And luckily at the time, I was at least smart enough to not allow my emotions to get in the way because I really could have been very pissed off, resentful, you know, all the good stuff that comes yeah. along with getting a pink slip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah, instead of doing that though, I brokered a deal with the person who had just fired me. Wow. And I basically forced her to outsource all the work to me because in her rash decision-making, she never thought to ask me what was on my plate. She never thought to do exactly what was the, the, like the, the thing that you would think somebody in her position would do. Right. So I knew, she was in, I knew she was between a rock and a hard place and she had no clue what was happening. I had contracts out there, publishing contracts, things going on. And so that really kept me going for the first year while I was making connections, while I was getting on LinkedIn and, while, and I had landed my first client. And so it kind of hit me that maybe I was sort of onto something. But here's what's interesting about this whole situation is that for three years, my family never knew that I had been let go and that I had replaced my job with my own publishing business. <laughs> wow. They, yeah, they did not know. That's how, that's how close to the vest I kept everything because we were going through so many things that I didn't yeah. want anyone else concerned about my welfare or how we were going to pay the bills or anything. I was just very, very um, serious about making something work and not making sure that our lives would not change while this was going on. And for three years, I didn't tell anybody. And I finally told my son, um, I believe it was like Christmas morning, three years after I had been left, let go. And I sat wow. down and said, you know what? <laughs> I, I told him the whole story. He said, what? <laughs> you he know, Asha, that is, I think, very courageous. Like, so you were worried, not worried, but you were concerned about um, the family's perception, thoughts, feelings, you know, fears. Um, yes. I think that was really courageous of you to, you know, carry forward. And I want to tell you another thing we have in common. I'm the caregiver for my mother who has dementia. Um, so oh, we have I'm so, so sorry. many yeah. things in common. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so let me ask you, how did your son react? He was blown away by it because I had made certain that in, as far as he was concerned, nothing changed. So as far as Christmas was concerned, you know, I was still getting him things. He just had no idea. He thought I was working from home. <laughs> that was the only thing he thought. And my husband had actually left the same year that I was terminated. And I knew that he was already planning to do that when I was terminated, but I did not tell him what was happening because I didn't want to stop that from happening. I knew right. that I needed to make those changes in my life and I didn't want that to get in the way of it. Wow. So, and I, and the funny thing is I didn't tell my son earlier because I didn't want him to feel like he was keeping something from his father. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Smart. Yes. Yeah. And also yes. um, the age, you know, he was in high school when this started. Right, right, right. He was up. young. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What a, wow. What a great story. You should write about this. I'll tell you, um, you know, 
you're kind of taking that stereotype and flipping it on its head, right? So we see mm-hmm. movies about mm-hmm. men who do that, um, but you never see the movie about the the rock star mom who does that, you know? Um, right. So, you really yeah, don't. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome that you that you kept the you didn't miss a beat, right? So no, I didn't. And I, I made certain, and I will say this, it wasn't easy. I really don't want to give people the impression that it was easy because having been, having been terminated for the first time in my life after being on the job for as long as I was, I was making pretty good money. So going into this, this whole thing of having a business and not having that, that um, every two weeks that safety net yeah, yeah that safety net and knowing that my my family didn't know about it was it was tearing me up inside but I also knew that I had I definitely had to keep it together because there was just too much happening and I didn't want anyone worrying about anything else because there was just too much going on as it was so one more yeah one it was a big backpack of stress that women carry or that mm-hmm. you carry um, but I will tell you, you adjusted and adapted and you were working from home before working from home was cool. <laughs> <laughs> really? That is so true. That is so true. For so many that just- really pivot when COVID hit. And I had people saying, how do I Zoom? What is Zoom? I don't mm. know. Um, but yeah. That is so funny. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just to, to, to really play upon that, my, my job at my position um, I had actually started working off and on from home prior to being terminated. So my family wasn't too weirded off yeah, about yeah. having me at home, you know, not to get, so too that made a difference. But how did your, um, your narrow minded, and this is my label. I hope she's not listening, mm-hmm. but if she is, well, <laughs> narrow minded boss feel about, um, you know, you apparently came to her with a solution, right? So a getting to yes, yes kind of compromise where it relieved some burden from her and she didn't have to pay all the overhead or whatever. And then you still got your work and your clients were happy and you got your work done and you got paid. Um, how did, how are y'all now? Like what, you know, the dynamic, dyna- dynamic uh, relationship that you had, that dynamic must have shifted from, the day before you were terminated to the day after you negotiated this new arrangement. I mean, are y'all like, what's that like today? Well, I can tell you this. She and I have not spoken since that year. This it was oh, five well, years there ago. You go. she and I have not <laughs> <spoken>. <laughs> well, there you go. That that look, it could be worse. It could be worse. So it, it really could be worse. So no, we were never really that close. Yeah, And it was always a very strained relationship because she was not my first boss. It was very interesting, our, the dichotomy between us. Uh, so when she decided to do that, um, I just, I avoided the fact that I knew she was making a mistake. I didn't want to tell her she was making a mistake. I wanted her to find that out on her own. And at some point she did realize that she had made that mistake. And I want to say within six or eight months of letting me go, she decided to leave herself. Oh my! So goodness. I think she was really under a lot of pressure from yeah. other factions, I suppose, and just didn't really know how to handle it. Well, you know, there's another thing to think about: um, women who hurt other women because they feel they have to. We call that tug of war bias. Um, wow! In my world, where she might have agreed with some of the the 
things with you on some, you know, let's just use this as an example. There might be a policy that you think is a wrong policy and you want to make a change, right? So you're out loud about it and she might agree with mm -hmm. you, but then sees the, that that's ruffling feathers. So she goes and throws you under the bus and gets her, you know, opportunity to shine. But then she's under that same bad policy, right? So um, this is just an example, but I'm saying this is how women hurt other women instead of standing strong side by side or saying, what's your point of view or what is, what is your uh, perspective on this issue and how can we create change together? They end up saying, you know, the pie is only so big and I'm gonna get that piece that, that, is, that is set aside for the token female or what have you. Um, but and yeah. you're absolutely right. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think that's, that's, that really brings us down um, tremendously totally. when yeah. we're in a position like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I would ask you what your proudest professional accomplishment is, but I'm guessing it's now owning your own business. But why don't you tell me where I'm right or wrong? Okay. Well, I actually, well, let me put it this way. Yes, having my own business is a really big accomplishment for me because I'd always wanted to be um, a business person. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so I thought that the best thing for me to do would be to take what I've been doing in publishing and do it for myself. I figured if I could do it for them, then I should be able to do it for myself. And then when I started doing it for myself, I realized just how much harder it is <laughs> yes. because you don't have, you know, the, the staff to go along with everything. And it so gives it's a whole it's, new meaning to um, administrative appreciation week. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. it really does because you are everything to your business. That's so right. So it That's took right. me a while. Yeah, it took me a while to, to figure that out and, and, and to get it going. But I've been learning as I go and, and doing what I need to do. And, 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 and just to give some background, I work with, because I'm an attorney, I work with a lot of attorneys yeah. um, who want to leverage their expertise by publishing. And so I do a lot of that, but I also work with small associations as sort of an outsourced editorial department where I'm publishing their magazines and their journals and publications as well. So that's really wow. what I do in my, yeah, that's what I do on a daily basis. But I want to say, though, that when it comes to my, my, my proudest professional accomplishment, I really want to say that it was because I went to law school. I, I attribute a lot of what I have right now from law school, the decision to attend law school. So my proudest accomplishment is graduating from law school, and I'll tell you why. Um, had I not gone that route, I still would be probably sitting in some small cubicle somewhere in a corporate office crunching numbers because I used to be in accounting. I was, I worked through college. So I had some work experience and I was in accounting and I thought, well, once I graduated from college, I'll go get my MBA or my CPA and I'll just continue down that road. And even though I found it boring and, and no offense to any CPAs out there, but it was just seemed like the most, the thing that made the most sense at the time. But then a relative of mine who had found out that I had done so well in college because I had a, a pretty high GPA when I graduated. He looked at everything. He said, have you, have you ever considered law school? And I said, no, I have never considered law school. And he said, you should. And I said, you know what? I'm going to look into it. 
And I did everything it takes to be a great lawyer and a great lawyer that clients want to work with, not just good at legal work, right? That's the presentation. But who do you really want to roll up your sleeves and work with? I mean, that's the difference. When I when Mm -hmm. I talk about, you know, why clients choose or how clients choose, it has nothing to do with your GPA or where you went to law school. It has to do with, well, look, I know you know the law or you wouldn't be a lawyer, right? That's how you got into my office in the first place. I want to know if you know me, my business, my language, my industry, my competition, and if you're fun to work with, if I'm going to like you. Um, so yeah, you've got all that going on. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. And I think a lot of lawyers, I'll say this, um, the, (laughs) the, the emotional quotient that's involved in the communication styles of most lawyers, 70% of them are thinkers. Um, so the feeling quotient is not so high always, um, they are a step above those CPAs. So you hit the nail on the head when you said, <laughs> you know, um, and that's probably why CPAs gravitate toward the numbers because they don't want to deal with the people, right? So mm-hmm. I um, think so too. Yeah. So you've got it but all. I, you've got a recipe for success. But here's the thing, Susan. The reason why I think I gravitated toward being a CPA was because I, I was like that. I was an introvert, and I still am to a certain extent, but I was also a very shy child. I grew up as a very shy child. So doing something like CPA, crunching numbers and so forth, was fairly easy for me because I was only dealing with myself. So I think right. that had a lot to do with it, too. It's safe. But when I got into law school, exactly. But when I got into law school, it's a totally different um, a totally different animal. And yes. I was willing to take that chance. And so that really pushed that. me outside of myself. Exactly. It pushed me outside of myself. And I really have to say that I believe that I am more than I ever thought I could be because of law school, because uh-huh. of the way that I grew up and because I've always been an introvert. Law school pulled me out of myself and I became the person that I believe I always should have been because of that. I really do. I love that. Mm -hmm. Again, I feel this recurring theme when I'm listening to you talk of courage, (laughs) right? There's some courage there to, you know, CPA would have been the safe place for you, right? But you took the riskier road and, or the road less traveled uh, to quote a famous book and a famous poem. And you um, are now this still an introvert, but dynamo, right? You're, you're, you can change your communication style. You can't change your personality, but you can choose to be um, more outgoing or ask more questions or tell more stories. And it looks like you're absolutely you're, you're good at that. You're very good at that. Well, let me ask you Thank something. You. Um, I, I know I've had several people in my life who've inspired me. I never had a mentor. I mean, I could say I looked at my dad and he said, you know, when you grow up, you could be a nurse or a teacher. And I was like, hey, you're a doctor. Why can't I be a doctor? You know, I was like, that's exactly. a little really What is up with that? <laughs> yeah, well, he's old school. He, I was I was one of the surprise we're having a baby people. So <laughs> I don't oh, think, you know, okay. I'm, I was young. He was old. He's, he's passed on. But yeah, back in the day, he used to say that. So I was like, why can't I be a you, dad? Um, so I never had a mentor. Did you, did you have an inspirational mentor? or someone who kind of sponsored you or guided you or mentored you? You know, that's funny because I have to agree with you. I've never known to actually have a mentor until sort of like after the fact, 
really. Yeah. When you look back at your life and you go, wow, so that person really, you know, made a difference at this point in time. So I have to start off by saying my, my high school business management teacher, her name was Sylvia Rogers. She forced me to, and I do mean forced because I, I went kicking and screaming. She forced me to take her, her assignments very seriously. And I don't know, maybe she saw something in me way back then that I just did not know existed. But that was sort of like a starting point, I guess. But as I got older and once I got into law as well, I think my, my true inspiration is Ruth Bader Ginsburg because everything oh, about her, yeah. I love yeah, everything about her. I've never known her, never got a chance to meet her. But there's so much about her that makes me think that she was like this wolf in sheep's clothing, this giant in a very small package. Yeah, and here's this, this, Yes. And like the, her, the, my, my favorite quote from her is, and I'm going to try and get this right. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask about brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Yeah. And when I heard her say that, because I think she was being interviewed, she blew me away. I had just chills. Blew me away. I had chills when you repeated it. I've heard that. Yeah. I am a, yes. a freakish stalker fan. Um, and I was devastated, depressed, and <laughs> like, you know, when she passed. But um, I, I did a small movie about her <laughs> when she passed. Wow. Yeah. Um, huge, wonderful. I mean, I host these events across the country that I can see you speaking at one day. Um, and mm. at the end of one of my events in San Francisco, I had this card that I put on the table for every audience member. And on the cover of the card was Ruth Bader Ginsburg and a famous quote of hers. On the inside was a commitment for each person in the room to sign that card, committing to advise, refer, or hire someone they didn't already know. And 70% of the people in that room, there were over 200 people signed that card so after the event was over i sent them a stranger's name and email address someone who had attended the event and i asked them to contact that person and be there for them help them reach a goal or or answer a question or wow. advance their career and yeah i think ruth bader ginsburg helped to make that happen 70 percent of the people mm -hmm. i mean just having her image and quote on the card was like yeah we've got to look after each other. And it was mostly women in the room, but there were some men who are allies as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Too. Yeah, yeah, she uh, was such a trailblazer. She was just doing her job too. She was such a trailblazer right. doing it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And she moved mountains with a whisper. Yes. And it makes you realize that you don't have to be loud and boisterous to get your point across. That's right. My son yeah. was, uh, He's an old soul for a 19 year old. And he always tells me, not always, because I've learned from him. So he doesn't have to repeat the lesson. But he taught me <laughs> a, lesson a, a long time ago. He said, Mom, calm is the samurai's greatest weapon. And I was like, Did you just tell me to wow. shut up? <laughs> I was like, I think you told me to shut up. That's a great way to tell your mother how to shut up, though. That's right. Wow. That's right. I was like, yeah, well, he's got a big ass sword, too. So get in your room and clean it up. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you, you yeah. can't get away with that. That's right. That's right. That was pretty sly, though, I'll say. <laughs> so, very, very. Yeah. Let me ask.
ask you this. Now, it's not, you've clearly referenced, you know, helping women, lifting women. What's something you would advise that we do to support other women in business? Well, I'm kind of glad that we got into this whole conversation about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, too, because here's the thing, and I'm sure you're aware of this, too. Women have the tendency to judge ourselves very harshly, and we judge each other very harshly. And we try to make ourselves feel better by tearing down another woman. And we were just talking about this. So, you know, when you're always looking at other people and you're saying she's too forward, she's too bossy, she's too bitchy. I mean, really, we're, we're so into trying to destroy someone else to make ourselves feel better. And so I really believe that if women could put aside those little petty things and those complaints about other women, and I think we could have our our first women president. I really think we could have our first women president. If we were to come together, stick together, um, we're not always going to agree on the issues. Right? It starts with self-love and being secure in yourself. You know, if, if I never hear women say he's too bitchy, he's too loud, he's too aggressive. Exactly. You know, I can't believe he wears his hair like that. Or what was he thinking with that tie? You know, what is that? Oh my God. I mean, I know we're, I don't, I I don't, I know. I don't understand it either, but that's, (laughs) that is truly how we have always been. And we need to get beyond that because it makes no sense. We have to be a collective unit in order to move forward. And so that would be my advice to people is to really look within themselves to say, why are you even attempting to tear down this other person? Why are you even having those thoughts? Why can't you work together or put that aside? So it's something about the self that makes them do that. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and, And when you pointed out, like what you just said, that it makes themselves feel better to hurt others. That is the bully on the playground. And nobody says that that's okay. And that means that bully might've been hurt somewhere along the line. And I'm cool with saying, hey, bully, who hurt you? And how can I help you? But if he right. or she continues to be a bully, then I'm, I'm cool with saying, okay, bye-bye. You know, um, you're not gonna mm-hmm. treat me that way. I'm not gonna let you, first of all. And I'm certainly not gonna retaliate because I've just said that your behavior was unacceptable. So I'll just walk away and you'll be sad you lost me and I'll move on and gravitate to women who are secure in themselves. So- Right, um, and that's really you. the only thing you can, you can do is give, you give them a chance and right. if they fail to realize what's, what's going on there, then, then you really have to move on. It's exactly, that's exactly the case. You bet, you bet. Well, let me ask you, I know you've had a few, you probably have a couple answers to this question. Um, but mm. What has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Okay, so Susan, I'm gonna give you this, this answer and your, your viewers or your listeners might find it odd, or they might actually be able to identify with this. Um, okay, losing my job was a huge challenge. I, am, I admit that, but I worked that out. But I really do think after having taken an opportunity to think this over, I think my biggest challenge was motherhood. Wow. Is that kind of weird? Yeah. No, but I've never had anyone say that, but I love that you're so honest and direct. And I think that there are a lot of listeners who might have that same, that same challenge, but not realize it. Right. So again, courage, I see the theme of courage coming up um, with you. Uh, So yeah, tell me why, tell me more about that. Well, here's the thing. I'd always seen myself as 
the one who would make it up to, to the top. Wherever it is I went, I wanted to make sure that I make it up to the top because I was very ambitious. Good I had no it. intention of sitting still. You know, if I didn't see myself moving up the ladder, I was going to jump ship and, and move on and, and, and go somewhere else. So I kept putting off becoming a mother for like the first seven years of my marriage because of that reason. And I truly thought, like a lot of people who are listening today, that motherhood would send my career spiraling downward yeah. quickly, you know? I and waited, so, I waited until I was 35 yes. for the same reason. You and I both. Exactly. I was 35 when I got pregnant. <laughs> we, we, have a lot of, we have a lot in common. We do. So, so when I took that leap, I, I actually did take off about four months because I really wanted to focus on being a mother once I made that decision. But once I returned to work, I felt like I really needed to work even harder to prove myself. Yeah. And my ambition got in the way. And so that kept me from, from doing things like I missed out on a lot of things that my, my young son was having in his life because of that. And that played a part in my decision to start a business because I regretted some of that. And I didn't want to continue regretting things. And so when I decided that, okay, Tasha, you're going to start this business, which means you're going to make a commitment to be there for your son, because not only were we going through the divorce and my mother was sick, he needed me too. And he was in high school at this point, and he had played baseball through most of his life. And I said to myself, Tasha, you're going to make it to every game. You're going to see him hit his home runs, his, catch his fly balls and pitch and do all of that. And you're going to be right there in his corner every time. And in his last year of high school, he decided he wanted to run track. And do you know, I made it to every track meet because I wanted not only to make that commitment to myself, but to him. And so that's why I, I do think that challenge for me was motherhood because I was so ambitious that I didn't really want to take it seriously because I still wanted to move up. But at the well, same I time, think, I realized I was you know, missing out on some things. But yeah. I think you need to realize, well, again, I hear courage coming up. That's what bubbles up. Um, <laughs> seriously, you need to think back now that you have the, the, the benefit of perspective, right? So you can look back. Things are always easier when we look back on them. To recognize mm-hmm. that, um, that that commitment to excellence, it was inside you for your job, but also in your job as a mother, right? So those are the two struggles the 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 the, the you know um, struggle that you had inside yourself between excellence as a mother and excellence uh, in your career and what does excellence mean right so how do we define mm-hmm. excellence what does success look like you in the eyes of your son were probably a wonderful amazing perfect n- didn't skip a beat mother right but in your own head you set that high bar for yourself personally and professionally, and, and those two seem to be competing, right? Um, and I think right. a lot of women suffer that, and we put a lot more on ourselves than our children put on us, right? The expectations that we set for ourselves. Um, but clearly, you've done fine. You've done a great job. Um, you know, I, I was a single mom for eight years. And, you know, when he, he threw the samurai comment to me, I said, Ooh, whose son are you? You know, uh, 
<laughs> I must have done all right. Um, he's at Berkeley now and, and making straight A's and joined the Navy, going to be an officer. I mean, I, I don't know. He's done all right. He's done all right. So yes. I, at, at my age, 54, I'm finally taking a little credit for the good work I did as a single mom and as a mom. And then not, I don't, I, I think like you, when I left the workplace, um, I actually filed for Family Medical Leave Act to take care of my mother and realized, oh my God, I cannot work and do this, right? So I started my own company yes. too. Um, and, you know, many, many pounds later, I have found that I'm good at working from home and good at this remote thing. And I can hop on a plane once COVID's over and travel and see clients and do what needs to be done. But, you know, I have tools that get, you know, no, I'm not skipping a beat. And I bet you are the same. I can guarantee. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I love your ambition and you set your sights high. You know, that I, I feel like although they say 70 or 80% of people suffer imposter syndrome, I'm one of those weirdos that never did. I was like, I can do this. I got this, you know. In fact, I would walk out the house wearing something. My girlfriends would be like, uh-uh, go back inside, you know. <laughs> I never had that. But I think that, you know, we judge women who are, you know, self-confident and self-promoting. We judge yes, we them do. so harshly. Yet we tell the world, oh, I want my daughter to own her story and to be self-confident and to promote herself. And when men do it, we call it leadership. When, when women do it, we're like, who does she think she is? Well, guess what? You know, we've been reading and writing articles and doing speeches and talks across this country for so long about owning your story and stepping into your power. And when we do it, other women go, huh, who is she? Cut her down. And that has yes. to stop. You know, I love that about you. You are one courageous woman. I'm going to just say, I see. Thank you. You know, seriously. But I see that in, but you and I are cut from the same cloth. Oh yeah. I was going to so ask I, you, I, it's your birthday. <laughs> are December you December 16th? Oh well, yeah. That's a Capricorn, right? No, I'm, I'm right before Capricorn. I'm a Sagittarian. What are you? I'm a Leo. So those are both very okay. strong. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I, I respect that. I respect that. And I think that, you know, you definitely live up to the name of this podcast for sure. You need to get, I'm going to send oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, you'll you get your cape in the mail next week. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that'll be lovely. Love it. My son will get a kick out of that. You're so fascinating. <laughs> um, I have ideas on how to collaborate or send work your way or refer um, based on what you were telling me about the publishing the articles. We, we have a lot of clients who want to raise their reputation and, you know, lawyers oh, okay. love to see themselves published in publications. Yes, they do. Yes, the they challenge do. I have with that, though, is they want to be in publications that other lawyers read. And I'm trying to get them into to think about being in publications that their clients read, right? So industry magazines and such. So you would be the better person to advise than I am. Right. I, I could definitely that. discuss that with them and, and make them understand why they need to be where their clients are. Right. I don't right. know why they, I don't know why they don't get that, but yeah. <laughs> That's because it's the, it's the uh, lawyer ego, you know, they love to let their colleagues mm -hmm. see what they wrote. So we are, you know, on for future phone calls, I can tell already. But before we go today, um, why don't you let people know how to reach you? Because they're going to want to reach you for sure. 
Oh, good. Well, I'm hoping that this will also be on your website, but yes. people can always look for me on LinkedIn um, under Tasha Gordon Troy. And my email address is Tasha Troy, that's T-A-T-I-A-T-R-O-Y at RamseysHP.com. So that's R-A-M-S-E-S-H-P.com. And lovely to even find people on Clubhouse. If they happen to be on Clubhouse, they can look for me under at behind the book. And they can also go to my website at publishingforlawyers.com. So that's me. I love it. I love it. And look, I'm just <laughs> trying to navigate this clubhouse thing. Um, <laughs> you and I, I both. Yeah. yeah, you and I both. <laughs> I accidentally popped into this meeting one day and didn't know I was in there and I was chatting with my son and a couple of women I know were like, Susan, hello. <laughs> yeah. So I do like it though. I like it. I think we could do some really great things there. Um, you know, There's a lot of promise there. Definitely. A lot of potential. You bet. Definitely. You bet. Mm-hmm. Well, you're amazing, and I can't wait to. Put oh my the goodness! Together. Thank you. You'll be all over my I website. Know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. And I'm looking forward to doing more with you. Definitely, because I think we can do a lot of. We can collaborate on so many different things. I think so. I so agree. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm excited for that, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. And everybody who's listening, have a great day. Yes, thank you.